This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. So hello, everybody, and welcome to the UI trip. I am Rob, as ever, joined by James. And James, I've missed you because over the last few weeks, of course, we've recorded loads of these. We've had Melfest Monday, we've had UK Eurovision artist bonus episodes. This week, just the Wednesday, like it once was back in the day. Yeah, back to the good old days of the Eurotrip. We're going to pack all of that lovely energy that we usually bring you in two episodes and we're going to smush it all together into one big usual Wednesday episode. I don't think I want to be smushed together with you. That's, <laughs> that's not how I was envisaging this would go, but sure. Now, last week, we were super tired, weren't we? We'd just come back from Stockholm. We had a lovely time in Melfest. We had some late nights, some, some parties, some very small hours of sleep. You said we had a lovely time in Melfest, like it's this, like... <laughs> far off land is it not? i can see it on the horizon there it is it's melfest <laughs> first discovered by the irish in the 1700s but it was uh yeah maybe we weren't on fine form last wednesday because we were super tired now i don't want to tell you this but i may be just as tired as i was last week as i am today so much so that my words don't make sense <laughs> Did you stay up past your bedtime? Is that what you're saying? I did, yeah. Were you one of the ones like me watching the very first episode of the American Song Contest and hitting the hay at 2am? I'm hoping that was a rhetorical question for the listeners because I definitely wasn't. <laughs> it was very good fun. Really, really enjoyed it. And we will be chatting about that as well as a lot more to do with the world of the Eurovision Song Contest in today's episode of the Eurotrip. As you know, as always said, take it away. Hi. Hi. We are Dami Ogakamaknev, and you're listening to Eurotrip. I don't close any doors. I love Eurovision, I love Berlin Festival, and it will always be a part of me. That night, I found myself live on Russian state television for for Russia's Song for Europe. I said to Joe, send BBC Teenage Life. Maybe two weeks later, I was at a press conference, and I was on Making Your Mind Up. 
Everyone was like, Eldar, come, celebrate with us. The end of filming, they put honey on my face and I needed to be, you know, sexy with this honey on my face. Hi there, my name is Martin Estadal. I am the executive supervisor of the Eurovision Song Contest. You are listening to Eurotrip. So hello everybody and welcome to the Eurotrip, the world's favourite Eurovision podcast with me, Rob. Me, James. And this week we are joined by the first of the class of 2022 as we start our look ahead to Eurovision in Turin. She's representing Croatia. It's Mia Dimsic. Yeah, very excited to have our first member of the class of 2022 on the podcast. Although we say that, we have had some of them on before, but at the time, they didn't know, we didn't know, you didn't know they were heading to Turin. But this week, we've got the first. Yeah, if we want to stick with the class school analogy they didn't know they'd passed their entrance exam at the time that we spoke to them (laughs) whereas all of these people we know will be on the stage in Turin in the middle of May terrifying how close that is by the way me and James were on Skyscanner just before we started recording this podcast and we really really do need to book those flights yes we do and to save you the hassle I will also say this I need to pay you for the Airbnb in Turin as well Good. Yeah, I didn't want to make it awkward and uh, bring it up again, so thank you for doing that on my behalf. Yeah, anyway, on today's episode, Mia Dimsic from Croatia is joining us, and we had a great time chatting me and Mia the other day, so you'll hear that interview later on, including finding out what she was talking about when she said this. Uh, Yeah, I'm telling you, I'm still not completely aware of it, because I feel like if I start being aware of it, I'm going to faint, and then we're going to have a problem. Now... I hope you are as intrigued as I am because I've got no idea what's going on there. As well as that, we'll also be chatting all things American Song Contest. That, of course, kicked off earlier in the week. And I will be kick-starting our trek to Turin. That's right. Last year, we had the road to Rotterdam. This year, the trek to Turin. And we'll be getting on with that on today's episode. So we've got all that and more to come. You're listening on Acast on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. This is the Eurotrip. We said it at the start of the episode. Here we are, if you're listening on the day of release, on a Wednesday, just like the good old days. Who knows, if you're lucky, we'll have another edition of a European quiz. No, we won't. No European quiz (laughs) in today's episode. That's one for for long-time listeners, that reference. God, yeah, that's a a throwback and a half, isn't it? Blimey, O'Reilly. But yeah, it has been... It's been busy, hasn't it, over the last seven days or so. Still, we thought it might ease off a little bit, but not so much, especially... Over on our socials, if you don't follow us on there, make sure you go and check us out. We are at Eurotrip Podcast. We put a tweet out at the weekend to try and get you to sit in the executive producer chair so you can try and figure out who you would make open and close each of the semifinals. And so, so many of you got in touch. Honestly, Rob, you can see my screen. Look at those tweets. It's crazy, the amount of people. Tell me when to stop and I'll pick some out. Uh, Keep going, keep going, keep going, keep going, keep going, keep going. Uh, Now. Okay. Uh, Rico, hello to you Rico, he says that Albania should open semi one with Portugal closing, then San Marino should open semi two with Sweden closing, what do you think about that? I like that, we saw a lot of people saying that uh, Cornelia Jacobs should close uh, semi two for Sweden, uh, can, can I play that game, can I scroll and you can tell me when to stop? Yep, start I'm... scrolling now. Start or stop? Start scrolling now, <laughs> give, me a, give me a roll of the finger or I'm whatever going, you do. I'm going, I'm going, I'm going, I'm going. And stop. Now we've got uh, Lewis, uh, who says he would open with he'd open semi two with Denmark. Mm. Um, not sure. I'm not sure. I'm not sure. 
Um, and also, I'm not sure because I'm pretty sure Denmark are in the second half. I'm pretty sure he's, I'm pretty sure he <laughs> yes, hasn't, hasn't understood the uh, the assignment here. He's also said he closed with Ukraine, which he can't do because they're in the first half. Uh, <laughs> I think he's, he's he's got it back to the front. We'll move on. Uh, Pat, open with Moldova, close with Austria. Yeah, closing with Austria seems like a sensible decision. That was semi one, uh, and then open with open semi two with San Marino, and close with Montenegro. Now, me and you have both seen Vladana perform live. I'm not sure that song's a closer. I'm not so sure, but I tell you what, I will give credit to um, to some of you who got in touch. Uh, Dove Bugu at Do- what a, what a username uh, on Twitter got in touch, and they went full pelt on this and gave us a full running order for each semi-final. I've bookmarked them. We'll come back to them in the future and see how close they actually were. Wow, wow, a full running order. Well done, then. That's a lot of a uh, lot of flag emojis, I imagine. Yeah, a lot of flaggage. Flaggage, I like flaggage. <laughs> flaggage is good. Uh, talking of flaggage, you may have seen some Sweden flaggage on our Twitter account. Shock. Yeah, I know. It's not entirely unpredictable, is that? Uh, because we made, wanted to mention this on the podcast this week, we made the Swedish music podcast chart for our Melfest coverage over Melfest weekend, which was very nice. Uh, more people listen to podcasts in Sweden than any other country in the world, I found out when we, uh, when we uh, found out that figure, which was exciting, which means that a lot of you were listening to our Melfest coverage. So a massive thanks from me and James. And this would make sense if I were to say thank you in, in Swedish, which I believe is just tack. Tack, indeed. Or if you want to add a little bit more razzmatazz... Taksamike. Taksamike, which means thank you very much, I think. Yeah, I think, doesn't it translate directly as thanks a million? Somebody will correct me, but I think that's what it means. Yeah. Uh, needless to say, uh, next year's Malfest Monday, don't worry, everybody, will probably remain in the English language. I don't think we're going to turn <laughs> it into a Swedish uh, Swedish language podcast anytime soon after hearing that. But yeah, you mentioned it, James. It's been a bit quieter. There's still been some things happening, but we're in that weird week where, like, the pre-parties haven't properly kicked off because we've got the pre-party in Barcelona in Spain this weekend, don't we? And we did have a pre-party, of course, in Stockholm when we were there for Malfest, but like that season's not properly started yet. And like the artists haven't started like rehearsing or anything yet. So we're in a bit of a bit of a lull period, which is good news because I'll be honest and transparent with you, everybody listening. Um, I forgot about the news this week. So good luck for what's about to happen. Yeah, good luck. Although I do imagine you're going to start with a pretty big story because we have... In fact, why am I telling you the news? You tell me the news. What's the big story? Look at me and you finishing each other's sentences now. We have all of the songs for Eurovision 2022. We finally got there. We had to wait, of course, for the songs from Armenia and Azerbaijan. But we've got them, so let's have a listen. Step in one, two, where are you? Friends. 
heard there first up, that was Rosalyn with Snap for Armenia. And then after that, the one that made us wait the longest, it's Nadir Rustamli for Azerbaijan, of course, with his song Fade to Black. Brilliant to hear all of the songs in the can now for Eurovision 2022, so we can properly start looking ahead to Turin. Now, in some of the other news, of course, eight countries have been in Bulgaria, so record their live on-tape performances. Of course, we do need some live on-tapes again this year. That is required in the rules. Uh, The eight countries that were in Sofia to record their live on-tapes were Bulgaria, you'll be unsurprised to hear. Also, Cyprus, Greece, the United Kingdom, that's right, no more filming of live on-tapes on comic relief stages for the BBC, and Armenia mentioned a, a few seconds ago, Rosalind, she was in Sofia recording her performance, as were Lumix and Pia Maria from Austria, Emma Muscat from Malta, and Marius Bear from Switzerland. Talking of Marius Bear, Sasha Jean-Baptiste has been named creative director for his Eurovision performance, uh, with all of the songs in now. We can have a quick look at the betting odds. Ukraine are the favourites to win Eurovision, followed by Sweden and Italy. Uh, Mauro, of course, formerly of this podcast, hopefully we'll get her back on as well, from Portugal. She's been chatting about her performance. She says that her song will be a little bit different in Turin from that which she performed in Festival de Conchao. And also some news from Turin itself. We now know that the Eurovision Village will be at the Parco de Valentino. Always exciting to find out news about the Eurovision Village. I remember when I went to Lisbon in 2018, when it was in Portugal. I remember de- there was definitely one morning when we got to the village about 10 a.m. and I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna say it. We were we were on the pints at 10 a.m. just because it was Eurovision party mode. I remember going to the yeah. I went to the the village in in Vienna and it was chucking it down as it did for the entire <laughs> week. And I think I bought a Eurovision Mac, which I think I've still got somewhere. But they don't really do much, do they, these Macs? Oh, please tell me you're going to put that into the Eurotrip sweepstake <laughs> prize pot this year. Rob's used Eurovision 2015 Mac. <laughs> yeah, little did we know that the Eurovision sweepstake prize pot for 2022 could be worse than what we gave away last <laughs> year. Yeah, should we bring that back? Maybe. But yeah, Eurovision Village, always very fun. Uh, less fun, however, when me and James uh, found out earlier that it's about an hour away from our Airbnb. Turns out our Airbnb, not that central. Yeah. Yeah, maybe I won't pay for you. I pay for my part of it in the industry somewhere else. Uh, a little bit earlier, you said we're sort of in this lull period as well, didn't you? Where the pre-parties haven't begun, but we've got all the songs. However, the USA has entered the fray with the American Song Contest to plug the gap. The USA has entered the fray. You're a poet and you don't even know it. Look at that. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. The American Song Contest is here. I don't think we ever thought this day would come, did we? We've heard talk of all these Eurovision-style contests that would happen around various parts of the world over the last decade or more, and none of them have come to fruition. Well, we finally got one. The American Song Contest kicked off, of course, Monday night US time, very, very early morning on Tuesday sort of UK European time. James, you stayed up for it. Did you have a nice time? I did, honestly. I thoroughly enjoyed it. I won't go into full depth about it because I know we've got a guest coming up who will chat more in depth about it, but I thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed it. And I really hope there aren't the big things over there with that competition because it would be great to see a bit more Eurovision all across the world. 
Yeah, always up for some Eurovision action wherever it is taking place. But you mentioned James, of course. We couldn't just talk about this by ourselves. So I reached an arm of friendship across the pond like a diplomat hoping to make a trade deal. And I found Eric Nelson from the 12 Points from America podcast. And he is, of course, a big Eurovision fan. Great podcast, that from the guys in the States. And he was watching, of course, the show on Monday night. So we caught up and I started by asking him again, a very simple question. Eric, did you enjoy yourself? Oh, it was fantastic. Uh, it was so so much fun to to watch it, another show like this, really, regardless of what it was. But to to have something that that was from my country was kind of a new feeling. Uh, and and my home state of Minnesota uh, was was in the running this past time, first in the running order, and I think did really really well uh, with a great song too. I absolutely love uh, Yam House, and and so yeah, I was thrilled. Just thrilled. You said that, you know, nice to have a show that you can call your own, which I think is what is so special about the American Song Contest. If we go back a little bit, did you ever think this day would happen? Because we we have heard, of course, so many times about an Asian version of the Eurovision Song Contest. And and previously, you know, maybe there would be an American version of the, the Eurovision Song Contest. And it never happened. But we finally got there. Like, it, it seems almost unbelievable that we have got there in the end. Oh, yeah. I, I remember being at uh, a junior Eurovision this past December and there was some talk about it. And I was still skeptical. Like I, I really didn't think that the that that day would come. It was announced close to three years ago now. And, and I remember the feeling at the time was just, oh, if that would if that actually happens, that'd be awesome. Uh, but it won't like I, I if, if I had to bet, I would have said that's not actually going to come together but then nbc got announced as the broadcaster and that seemed seemed promising and then it was only a few weeks ago we got the list of artists and and all of that and and it started to seem very real very quickly and and uh i'm really glad to have been wrong in many ways it is similar to eurovision in many ways it is different to eurovision so for anyone who's listening to this they didn't manage to catch the show on monday night or Tuesday morning, or wherever it was, where you were, you, where you were watching from uh, from around the world. For anyone that didn't see it, how does it work? Is it like Eurovision? Because I think it's states competing against one one another, but there's a few differences in there as well. Yeah, it's it is like Eurovision. I've seen a lot of people say that it's a bit more like Melfest, and I mean it, we're only one show in as well, so I, I it's a bit early to say exactly. There are a few big rules differences uh, the songs can be two minutes 45 seconds instead of three minutes so it's a little bit quicker and there is no limit to the number of people on stage which a few acts took uh, we'll say advantage of i don't know that it was a great decision necessarily for for some of them but you can have as many people on stage as you want the other big difference i think is that there is a commercial break between every song which is uh, which is a big difference from Eurovision and and Melfest and things like that. And honestly, that's just kind of how we do it over here. The sort of postcard sorts of things are there and just the great fun staging and variety and and, and things like that. Like it it, it still felt a lot like a, a Eurovision or a Melfest sort of a show for sure. And then when it comes to 
the acts that progress, that's a little bit different as well, because you've mentioned it's a bit like Melfest, and it kind of is because we have our overall kind of jury winner, which I think is the uh, the act that goes through on the on the yes. night. Um, so we saw Rhode Island, I think, win the show uh, this week. So they're through that's to the right. final. Yeah, a uh, singer named Houston with a song called Held On Too Long. Really, really emotional, well-done ballad. It was actually the last song in the running order. So it's kind of like Melfest in that way, too, uh, in that it went last and went through. But then the other songs that are competing, it's not all over for them. The journey's not over yet. That's right. Yes. So there's there's the one jury pick that is direct to the final. There will also be three sort of televote picks with voting being open for a couple of days thereabouts. And then I think we find out next week during the during the next show which three those are going to be. And I want to say there is some sort of second chance round after the end of the heats as well. Uh, but but yeah, there, there will be those televote picks uh, that we will find out about uh, in a few days. Well, knowing that Krista Bjorkman's obviously so heavily involved in this, there is bound to be a second chance round. There, there must be. I'm sure there is. I'm sure there is. We've seen that in Melfest, haven't we, for many, many years. So I'm sure there will be something like that involved in there. What has the reaction been like over in America? I, I saw some viewing figures which came out earlier on just before we um, just before we hopped on this interview. I think 2.9 million was the the peak overnight. I don't know how that kind of compares to other shows. And and how, was there a general buzz around the show? There definitely was among my sort of social media spheres, but I know that that's algorithms at work as well. But I, I know that that NBC has been plugging this a lot. Uh, NBC had the Super Bowl this past year and advertised it during that. They had the Olympics, obviously. Uh, this was set to premiere right after the Olympics at one point, and then they pushed it out just a little bit. But NBC has been has been plugging it a lot uh, they have the local rights to eurovision as well on peacock uh, and and so th- they really seem to be all in on this uh, i i not gonna lie i don't know how good 2.9 million is but that seems for for a monday night that seems not bad now if we look ahead of course you said this at the start of the interview we've only had one show we are very early in the life of the american song contest what hopes have you got for it? Because this could be the start of something very special, potentially. You know, here we are, Eurovision fans. Eurovision's been going 60 plus years. Are we going to be talking in, what would it be, 2082? And we'll be celebrating the 60th anniversary of the American Song Contest. I hope so. I, I think one of the best things about the show last night was the amount of diversity, both in terms of musical genre, but also, you know, artist age and, and, and things like that. And, and while like K-pop doesn't necessarily represent Oklahoma as, as a whole, I think when you look at the musical selections as a whole, I think the whole thing felt very American in that we had country music and pop music and rock music and, and all of these different things. And that's the thing that I hope continues is, is that we show all of these different corners of, of what is really a, a very culturally diverse country uh i also hope that the musical quality continues to be very good because the songs were great uh this this past week i i mentioned i i loved yam house uh my my local act here from from minnesota but alexa from oklahoma the, the k-pop singer was was awesome 
uh, Christian Pagan from Puerto Rico was was great. Uh, Keon Starr from Mississippi had had fire, which I, I had said on Twitter was like our. If this is our fuego, then I'm I'm really good with that. <laughs> just and, and none of those are the one that won on the night like it was it was such a great night of music and so uh, if we can keep that up as well i think that the future is bright for for this song contest and eric just to finish off a word for the hosts as well because i think for anyone listening to this they're gonna think snoop dog <laughs> kelly clucks and what was it like so what was it like and are you looking forward to seeing them again for the next few weeks Oh, I am. They they were having a blast. They were having so much fun with this. And I can't wait for uh, we don't know who's going to be on what night ent- entirely yet. But uh, I know that like Kelly is from Texas. And whenever we get that that Texas artist, she's going to be going crazy. Same with Snoop in California. They they really just seem to be having a, a blast with it, like a Mons and Petra sort of situation, except very American. <laughs> Never did I think that I'd be having a conversation, even a few weeks ago, where we compared Snoop Dogg and Kelly Clarkson to Mons Amalov and and, and uh, mm-hmm. Petronetta. I never thought that would happen, and that's the mm-hmm. the joy of spreading that Eurovision love further afield. Yeah, here we are, <laughs> Eric. It's been so great to have you on. Quick word for the podcast: Where can people listen to you? Twelve Points from America. Twelve Points from America dot com is sort of the the headquarters, but. Uh, you can listen to us on Spotify, iTunes, wherever you get your podcast. Basically, uh, we should be there. Uh, you can check us out uh, 12 Points USA on Facebook and Twitter, 12 Points from America at Instagram, uh, which we just started up. We need some more followers there. So let us know. Uh, we have some live streams and other like reaction content and things like that on YouTube as well. Uh, just look anywhere on the internet and, and you'll find us. You're making us sound bad. Eric, thank you so much. It's great to have you (laughs) and a great plug. And we look forward to chatting again and enjoy the rest of the American Song Contest. Thank you. Thanks so much for having me. Well, if you weren't already thinking about moving away from the Eurotrip and heading to Aussie Vision as your favourite Eurovision podcast, in come 12 points from America. Some hot competition now in Eurovision podcast land. Yeah, if you want to go international with your podcast listening, there is all sorts out there. I'm pretty sure there is a Philippines Eurovision podcast as well. I mean, I don't... You're kidding. I think there is. I mean, I don't speak Filipino, but I'm pretty sure that exists, you know. (laughs) Well, there you go. If you are bilingual, or at least lingual enough in Filipino, there you guys, if you can somehow find it, or Rob's had a very weird dream. But yeah, great to chat all things American (laughs) Song Contest. (laughs) I'm just laughing at the idea of me having a dream about a Philippines-based Eurovision <laughs> podcast. <laughs> You're an audio man. I don't have to think what your dreams are like. It's funny that you mentioned dreams because uh, me and Mia Dimsic have quite an extensive chat about dodgy dreams in a little bit. <laughs> so you've got that to look forward to. Oh, and we do hear it. We do hear that it made the edit. It did make the edit. Yeah, it did make the edit. Uh, it probably makes me uh, come across... Uh, I don't know. Yes. Anyway, you make up your own mind. You'll find out. It's on the way. Stay tuned for that. Yeah, what I was going to say was, great to chat all things American Song Contest. I, for one at least, am looking forward to the next show, which will be on our screens next Monday, just in a few days' time. This is the Euro Trip. When you aren't listening, you can find us on social media. We're at Eurotrip Podcast. Warming you up for the Eurovision Song Contest. Yeah, the American Song Contest continues we'll touch on it here on the podcast over the next few weeks but we know that you are here for eurovision and eurovision alone and that means james the return of an old favorite because last year 
we brought you the road to Rotterdam. And this year, because we need another alliterative name, we bring you the trek to Turin. Cue the music. You can just tell, can't you, how good Rob's memory is, that it's only been 12 months and he got the name of the Rotterdam road trip wrong because he called it the road to Rotterdam. Was it not called the road to Rotterdam? No, we called it the Rotterdam road trip because somebody else, maybe at the Dutch broadcaster, had already used that name. So we had to call it the Rotterdam road trip. That's why we sounded a little bit naff with that name. Well, it's funny that uh, you mentioned the Netherlands, obviously, because that's where Eurovision was last year. Uh, we have to thank Corrie in the Netherlands for the name Trek to Turin, uh, by the way, because she she gave that to us on, on Twitter the other day, because otherwise we were scrambling. Let me tell you, we had the trip to Turin, and that was about it, honestly. That was, yeah, that was as good as it got. Yeah, Corrie, thank you so much for saving the podcast this year. Honestly, you're an absolute lifesaver. Uh, she joined us on the podcast last year as well uh, at times when we were gearing ourselves for Rotterdam. And in that segment of the podcast 12 months ago, we were chatting to people in the city to find out what life was like as the city was preparing to host the world's biggest music competition. And that's exactly what we're going to do this year. But we're not going to be going to Rotterdam, of course. It's Turin. <laughs> Yeah, can you imagine? For the next six weeks, we'll be crossing live to Rotterdam to hear how they're preparing for this song contest in Italy. No, we're not going to do that. Although that would be easier because we could just contact all the people that we've already had on. Yeah, we will be speaking to people in Turin as they prepare for Eurovision over the next few weeks. But just to ease us in, I've got something a little bit special for you. Now, I don't know if you're the same as me, James. Before I go away somewhere, I always like to head to YouTube just to see the city. I like to watch some, like, travel vlogs, of course, of, of kind of where we're going. You do the same? I don't do the same, but I, I like your idea. You t- kind of get your bearings a little bit, I guess, don't you? Yeah, well, it gives you a chance to kind of see what it's like in the flesh. It's all very well seeing a city in, like, a very filtered picture that you see sort of on Google or whatever. But, yeah, it's a little bit different. So we are now going to head to Turin through the eyes of a few... YouTube travel vloggers and this is going to give us an idea of some of the things maybe that we should ask a little bit more about when we chat to people who are in Turin it's going to help us find out a little bit more about the city as well so are you ready for our first travel vlogger yes please yeah let's get into it so let's start with Sarah My name is Sarah if you're new here and I'm currently on my semester abroad in Italy. Today I'm going to go to a city which I've been wanting to go to for a really long time and that is Turin. It's really famous for the manufacture of Fiat cars, for Lavazza coffee, for chocolate and it's said to be the Paris of Italy. Now already some important things to keep in mind. The home of, let's remind ourselves what she said, the home of Fiat which is exciting. Uh, Lavazza coffee, I know you're a coffee fan. Yes, I am. Yeah. The next one, we'll get more people excited. Chocolate as well, she said. Yes, she did. Although I feel like everywhere calls themselves the home of chocolate. Don't Switzerland and Belgium also say similar? Anyway. uh, And also the Paris of Italy, which I know is something that's going to get you excited as a lover of all things France. Yeah, she didn't explain what she meant by that, did she? She didn't. No, she she does at some point in the vlog. We haven't got the audio, but in the in the vlog, she does go on to say it's about the architecture, which means it, it's a very pretty city. Pretty city. Poet. That's, <laughs> poet that's my didn't submission know it. for yep. the poet. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, um, well, we're going to go on to the next clip from Sarah now, and this this does get me pretty intrigued and pretty excited. I'm just on the way to a place which gives an absolutely amazing view of the city, so I can't wait to show it to you guys. 
Where's she going? That is one problem with a podcast, isn't it? You can't can't see the view. But you didn't tell us either. Where's she going? I'm on the edge of my seat. I think she goes up a big hill. I think she goes up a big hill. Do you remember the name of the big hill? I can't, no. Okay. I've seen it for you, everybody. If you find a big hill... I was going to say, if you find a big hill near Turin, you definitely will, because it's at the foot of the Alps. And they're very big hills. If you see a big hill, go up it. Lovely view of the city. So that was a that was a, a kind of a problem with uh, my idea of us seeing uh, the city through bloggers while only doing this on podcast. Anyway, yeah. uh, we're going to move on from Sarah. And we're going to now hear from Annabelle. Now, Annabelle has a brilliant name. One of the main reasons why I uh, checked out her travel vlog of uh, Turin. She's called Annabelle. Puffet Zinruta. Are you sure? Uh, that didn't sound very convincing. I'm going to say it again. And if I say it twice, it makes it true. <laughs> Annabelle Puffetsruta. And here's what she told us about her trip to the city. This is also a huge low budget tip. Book an apartment instead of a hotel when you're in Italy. If you want to save money, you must cook some time for yourself or enjoy a good old supermarket bread loaf in your hands, which we had to turn to so often it got disgusting. This also annoyed us so much. You gotta know when Italians hold their siesta time. It is the term for the break of the day. Italian restaurant workers really get tired around that time and just shut their business down to pause and enjoy their dolce vita life. This can vary from restaurant to restaurant and city to city, but I noticed that in Torino, they're usually closed between 2 to 8 p.m. Oh, wow, I feel like Sarah really eased us in and then Annabelle came hitting with a hard fact. Oh. That is... The opposite of music to my ears? Yeah. What's the opposite of music to my ears? I don't know. Nothing is open, according to Annabelle, for food between the hours of 2 and 8pm. I simply don't believe that. That's like prime feasting time. If I were a piranha, I would be nibbling between those hours. <laughs> well, we've got some more notes there. Book an apartment instead of hotel, cook sometimes yourself, and you can't eat anywhere between 2 and 8. Oh. I don't know if this sounds like a good place to go. Oh, somebody save us. Well, then we move on. I don't know their names, unfortunately. I think one of them is called Alan. I think the man in this partnership is called Alan. Uh, it's an American couple. And I picked out these guys because I just enjoyed their trip to Turin so much. Because, one, they don't appear to know what anything's called. And then they do know what things are called. But as Americans often do on trips to Europe, they lose their minds at real-life history. And here's me being a terrible travel show host. I don't even know what that is. It's just like another castle looking thing. I feel like it's hard to know what every building in Europe I is. Know. <laughs> I guess it's called the Porta Palantina, which is a Roman period gate. Pretty wild, though, about that with Europe, right? Just like some casual Roman ruins just dotted. Yeah, they're everywhere. Seems totally unremarkable to the locals, but it is pretty cool. <laughs> Wow, look at that view right there. It's amazing. I know. Casual Roman ruins dotted around everywhere. <laughs> Can't move from. Honestly, <laughs> in Europe, you look out the window and you see a Roman ruin. <laughs> I enjoyed, again there, sorry everybody, uh, another lovely view that you can't see. But we can't imagine it because they told us it was just a random Roman ruin or whatever it was. So picture it, everyone. A random Roman ruin. So, 
we know that Turin is the home of Fiat, Lavazza Coffee, chocolate. It's known as the Paris of Italy. There's a lovely view of the city up a hill whose name we don't know. And there are some lovely Roman ruins somewhere. But I leave you with a word of warning. And it comes from our final vlog of the day. And when you're in Turin, apparently, you should be very careful about where you go for a drink. So we had a beer. Uh, we're just having a walk back out of Piazzo Vittorio. I think I saw an English pub somewhere up here. <laughs> it's not very Italian, but I figured we should check it out because I've definitely never seen an English pub anywhere else in Italy. Well, not at the places I've been to anyway, so let's go and see what it's like. What have we learned from this? Don't go in an English pub if you're not in England. Don't go in an English pub if you're not in England. Is that a is that a life lesson for wider life or just Turin? At least for Turin. And that's all that we need to know for now. So I think we've learned enough there, haven't we, to, to kickstart our trek to Turin? Have you written all those down? I've got plenty of notes, and if anything, over the next six weeks, our trek to Turin will just be a fact-finding mission to try and find out whether all these things are real or if they're actually just rubbish. And I'm hoping that they will all dispel this terrifying reality that you can't <laughs> find any food between the hours of 2 and 8pm. Don't forget, you can get in touch with us on social media. We're at Eurotrip Podcast. Now, despite all of that, let me just make it very clear, I am still very excited to go to Turin. I'm sure it is going to be an absolutely lovely place, and I'm sure we'll make it clear over the next six weeks as our guests from Turin come and join us and tell us what a lovely city it is. Lovely city, lot of random Roman ruins. (laughs) But now, it is the time of the podcast where we're going to speak to one of the artists who is going to be taking to the stage in Turin in a few weeks time. It also, this should be around the time of the podcast where we try and tell you how many days it is. Oh no. Until until the grand final. Do you know, we're actually doing a countdown on Twitter how many days it is until the first semi-final. So I'm just filling time as Rob finds out how many days that is. Oh, that's what you want me to do. Sorry, I didn't catch on. Didn't catch on. Uh, so we start that countdown on Monday this week, and that was 50 days until the first semi-final. Yeah, so today, if you're listening on Wednesday, is 48 days until the first semi-final, which therefore, quick maths, everybody, means it's 52 days until the final of Eurovision. No, 51. 51? How many did you say? 50, 48. <laughs> Eight. Hold on. Eight. Begins with an F, everyone. It's <laughs> days till fourteenth of May, twenty twenty-two. It's I was right, you fool. <laughs> I really said something stronger there. Fifty-two days to go until the grand final of Eurovision twenty twenty-two, and we could have not wasted the last thirty seconds. But we have, 
Anyway, never mind. But yeah, this is the time when we're going to speak to one of the artists who's heading to Turin. We're going to do that every single week, speaking to at least one of the artists. We've got some lined up as well. Earlier on today, I sat down with two of them, not together, but separately, so we can guarantee we've got some lovely chats with some of the lovely artists coming up over the next few weeks. And talking of lovely, in a lovely bit of synergy, uh, you may remember, you won't remember, this is only something that people like me and James will remember, and you'd hope we would, given that we host the podcast. The first artist from the class of 2021 that we spoke to on this podcast, as we start to look ahead to Rotterdam, was Croatia's representative for Eurovision, Albina. And our first member of the class of 2022 on the podcast this year is Croatia's representative, for Eurovision, it's Mia Dimsic. Look at that! How serendipitous is that? Honestly, I didn't, I did, would never have realised that. That is what a stroke of luck that is. You say serendipitous, I say Croatian press people very responsive on the email. <laughs> That's what we found out there. But it was so good to chat to Mia Dimsic. Of course, she won Dora back in February with her song "Guilty Pleasure." Her song "Guilty Pleasure," which is. Uh, yeah, about, uh, about some interesting dreams, as it turns out, which uh, me and Mia will, will talk about in a little bit. I'll also ask whether or not she's been to Italy before. Of course, it's just across the Adriatic from where she is in Croatia. And I was chatting to her in Zagreb, of course, the Croatian capital. And I started by asking how busy she'd been over the last few weeks since her Dora win. Yeah, pretty crazy. I mean, I, I kind of, I hoped I could possibly win. And I anticipated a big rush and huge stuff happening. But the amount of details that, that need to get done and the amount of stuff you need to go through is um, mind-blowing. But I'm not complaining because we had very like lonely two years uh, for us artists. And the whole of 2020, I kept complaining about it. So now I'm really happy that things are starting to happen and that I, I even the fact that I get to talk with you right now is amazing for me because I used to only sing in creation and only be heard and understood by the our language group so to be able to talk to people abroad is I think it's so amazing. Was it the quiet 2020? Was it the the desperation to do something I suppose after the pandemic the quiet 2021 that made you made your team think that Dora would be a, a, a great avenue for you this year? Yeah, I guess. I guess it probably, at least subconsciously, probably had something to do with that. Because throughout uh, 2020 and 2021, I've been writing a lot of uh, new music. Uh, it was like time maybe for my new album or something. And also I had this dream of making my first English record for quite long, but I never had the time or, you know, there was, there were always, always other stuff to do when you're in this industry. There, that's one song after another. And all of my songs so far were in creation. So I wanted to do like a side project, the side thing and make an English record. And I started writing in 2021. And one of those songs was Guilty Pleasure. So uh, just upon planning, maybe the best way to go about that English record. My manager suddenly said, you know, we are nearing the Dora um, deadline for, for new songs this year. So maybe, maybe we should apply with that song. And my first reaction was like, maybe I'm not an artist for Eurovision or something like that. I had a lot of stupid convictions around it because I always thought it's for, you know, up-tempo songs, maybe for like songs with a lot of dancers, a lot of lights or whatever. 
But I think Eurovision lately has shown a huge, huge variety and diversity in genre and uh, just different types of songwriters and artists. And I think it's so amazing. And I'm very, very excited to be a part of that huge family. And I never thought Eurovision would be my plan for this year. Like never, ever. It was completely unexpected. Before we talk about that night in Dora, Let's go back. Let's go back to, I suppose, you and, and, and growing up and, and becoming a musician. Was yeah. that always something that was a dream for you? Were you growing up around, around music and that's always something that you wanted to sort of pursue? Definitely. I grew up around music. I, I love music since I was a very little kid. No one in my family was a professional musician, but my dad... Uh, like used to play instruments as a hobby and had a band as a hobby. And I guess from him, I picked it up and I grew up singing, uh, dancing in a folklore ensemble, then in singing choirs, then learning how to play guitar, then uh, having an acoustic duo with my friend. Then I was a part of um, an orchestra uh, playing our traditional Croatian instrument, tamburica, where I was also playing. And those were like the best years of my life, traveling around with, uh, with like a huge orchestra performing. So I guess I had a lot of experience, but nothing was very specific until um, I think it was seven years ago oh my god time flies by so fast um I got invited to a tour quite by accident with a band from my hometown and they were performing uh for creation uh for for creation emigrants and a lot of them are in the states and Canada so we were kind of there for a month touring and all of a sudden I was just like living the life of a real musician and I just kind of figured out I loved it so much and I could totally envision myself doing that. And that's where I met my manager uh, and co-writer, collaborator. And we're still working today. And he was like the one who initiated my career. And pretty soon I started putting out singles. I got a major record label deal, which was so amazing. I put out my first album and then just miracles started happening. And my life completely turned around. And today I'm doing this for a living. And I think I'm the luckiest person alive to be doing this. How exciting was that that first tour, like you said, touring America, touring Canada? The idea of doing a tour is kind of a dream for any musician, isn't it? And so few people actually get to achieve that dream and, and to do it. And in somewhere like America and Canada as well, that must have been so exciting. Oh, my God, it was amazing. I think it, it, it's still like maybe the best month of my life. Uh, the tour lasted for like 20 something days. We did 17 concerts. So it was really like very hard and exhausting, but so exciting. Like we would go around with a real like tour bus. We would have like all the food and drinks we wanted. Then we would come to some really nice hotels you would never normally stay in, you know. So it was just then the, the, the crowds, the people uh, welcoming you, saying, telling you nice things. And I mean, I was a support act on, on this tour, but everyone was like treating me like, I was some kind of a star or something. And for me, that was so weird because I didn't have like one original song. I didn't have like a CD out. I didn't have like any concerts. I was just there by sheer luck, you know. And from that moment on, I think I stopped believing in coincidences altogether because I, I was in college at the time and I, I would spend my college years and days just daydreaming about you know, me being on stage, then me giving interviews and stuff like that. So it was always like a part of my subconscious. I'm pretty sure I kind of manifested it. I'm a huge believer in the, in the law of attraction. And when all of these things just like fit together, like pieces of the puzzle, and I got the opportunity to actually pursue this career in real life, 
oh, it was mind blowing. I think it, it not only changed like the way I, I think and feel, it changed my whole outlook, you know, on the world around me. And I just became a really positive person, I think, through all that. You mentioned the whole purpose of, of the tour was performing for the Croatian diaspora in, in America and in Canada. Have they been kind of following your journey ever since, of course, you know, from across the Atlantic? Have they been thinking, oh, that's the girl that we saw perform at that concert all that time ago. And now look at what she's doing. Yeah, they're all so proud. It's such a loving and big community. And Croatian people in general who live far away from home, they're very emotional around Croatia and Croatian artists. They're just a huge support network. And there are a lot of like close friends today. And I've been, I returned to the States actually a couple of times after that. I even got a chance to perform um, in Nashville, which was so amazing because I'm a huge country music fan. So a lot of amazing things happened. And a lot of that I can thank to the Croatian community in, in the States. So I hereby also want to like send love to them. And thanks guys for everything you did for me. And I think it's so important to have people with you who were there from the beginning and who, who know all sides of you and who know how hard you struggled and how many ups and downs you had. So it's, it's pretty amazing. And just think how many new people are going to discover you in May as well. Oh my God. It's, it's very surreal. Just people <laughs> reaching out, like you reached out from all over the world. Like today, a girl from Brazil texted me and she said like, I'm so sorry. I can't vote for Eurovision from Brazil, but like, I'm currently just going through the same situation that you're describing in your song. So things like that, I think mean the most to me. If someone from a different side of the world is going through something I'm writing about, and it's just so insane, like things that Eurovision does is this huge visibility and also this huge networking opportunity. So I think that's the, that's the most worthwhile thing I can get from Eurovision. Now, Mia, you mentioned, you know, the, the fan from Brazil who messaged you saying, oh, the, your song, this is, you know, the situation that I'm in. Let's talk about Guilty Pleasure. How did the song come about in the first place? Because you said, you know, you always wanted to release a song in the English language and the song was never written for the Eurovision Song Contest. It was just me sitting in my room throughout this very boring and tedious winter when we were all in lockdown and just me writing every day about everything I, I wanted and I love writing about personal experience it's a I think a very powerful and therapeutic way to deal with problems in general so when guilty pleasure occurred I think I literally had the same dream five nights in a row like the lyrics say about a certain person and I was like in a committed relationship at the time so I, I felt started feeling very guilty so the song literally describes what I felt throughout that period and how I internally struggled with um, just having feelings for someone else but then like maybe also having feelings for, for the old person so you know it, it can get complicated and I think generally people underestimate how hard it is when, when you can like really fall in love with multiple people maybe not like fall in love like equally but you can have feelings on more sides and I don't think people are inherently monogamous, you know? I've been thinking about that a lot. I like to think about random topics like that in my <laughs> free time. <laughs> so um, I, actually the song was about, a lot of people commented um, that it's a song about cheating. Uh -huh. it, really, it really wasn't my original intention. It was more like a fantasy about someone. But of course, if someone wants to interpret it in their manner, it's, 
it's fine because that's what music is all about. Yeah. And I think songs should have many different interpretations. But yeah, initially it was written about just me having weird dreams and not knowing how to feel about it. I think we've all had dreams like that. I think a lot of people are going are gonna to listen to the song or have heard the songs already. Like you said, people that have been getting in touch with you and being like, yeah, that, yeah. that sort of strikes a chord. I know exactly what you're talking about. How did that situation play out, by the way? Because you said, you know, I know there were just dreams. That, I mean, yeah. how did the situation play out? I just did nothing. I was, I was a coward. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, I've had situations like that a lot throughout my teenage years you know when you first start falling in love and I, I always had problem I always had a problem with it because I felt like I was doing something wrong even though nothing truly wrong ever happened but I was just feeling guilty by my thoughts alone and now the older I get I feel like I was judging myself without without needing to you know yeah. I think we should just like maybe all try to accept those struggling sides of us and the fact that it's really hard to you know you know who you're going to end up with and then just stick to that one person for the rest of your life it's, I think it's very tricky and very unhealthy if we like put it in our head it has to be like that and it can it can't go any other way I think it's not healthy for for human beings in general Pjesma Guilty Pleasure od publike osvoja 166 bodova And I just think it's so impressive how you've managed to encapsulate that into one three-minute song, which is, which is, which is absolutely fantastic. And clearly, the Croatian public absolutely loved it, as did the jury, because you you came first in the jury, and of course with the with the public as well, which is a, an incredible reaction to the song, and and something that has it sunk in yet? Of course, we're talking a few weeks since Dora, but has it finally sunk in? Sort of how popular that song is, and the the. Uh, you know the the reaction that you've had from the fans yeah I mean the reactions were so beautiful and that night was surreal and I think I couldn't figure out what was happening for three next days or something of course now the impressions sunk in a bit but there's so much to do that I feel like I won't be completely conscious until I really come to Italy and see the huge impressive stage that I've only seen on paper and it already looks <laughs> so impressive. So yeah, I think now I feel like I'm just preparing for something, but I, I still can't be completely aware of what I'm preparing for and that I'm actually going to see all those artists and all those amazing songs and meet people. That's what I'm looking forward to the most. Now, this is where the the hard work kind of really, really begins, of course. We're now speaking, you know, in March, so we're kind of a couple of months away, which sounds like a long time, but it's really not, is it? And you are going to be incredibly busy over the next few weeks. I mean, have you already got loads of stuff in the diary you must do for what's coming up? Definitely. I couldn't live with, without my calendar at the moment because I honestly, I can't remember anything. You know, as soon as someone says something, my attention span lasts for like five seconds. And then I'm like, open Google Calendar, just write it in until you forget. But I, I think it's very nice. I think I, I need it now. And I think this is my time to grow and to expand and to really get my music out there because this is a once in a lifetime opportunity. So I'm not complaining. I, I really want to overwork myself till, till May because I feel most kind of calm when I know I did everything I could. 
and and that's for me the only the only key to happiness and success just knowing that i did everything i could and now the rest is in the hands of the universe and how excited are you to to perform the songs of course you've performed the songs for the croatian public but you're getting out there and you're going to be performing it live as well for the eurovision community and the eurovision fans as well that's so amazing i can't wait to start singing in english a bit more because i just love it i graduated from english and german so uh, foreign languages are kind of my my huge love along with music and i also love writing in english and i have so many songs prepared and i can't wait for everyone to hear them and i can't wait to put out an english record so i think eurovision is only going to be an introduction to that and guilty pleasure is going to be the first of many songs in english and i'm hoping to like maybe have some new people hear me that day maybe some people who would never talk about me in any other situation or get to hear my music so that's what i think i'll be getting from your vision the most and it's so so valuable but yeah i'm excited about everything about pre eurovision parties about meeting eurovision fans journalists and other artists of course so it's going to be a really nice couple of months home with him and your secret treasure he's devotion you're a guilty pleasure home with him and this is real life honey guess the joke's no longer funny home with him until the death do us part but it doesn't do for this hungry heart home with him but in my frantic head you always come and say Now, Italy, of course, is is just across the the Adriatic from from where you are in Croatia. Have you been before? Yes, many times. I love Italy. For us Croatians, it's like a exotic vacation country. It's amazing. <laughs> we have a very similar cuisine as well. Our cuisine is very influenced by the Italian, so we all also love Italian food. So I'm looking forward to that as well. Um, yeah, to everything really. It'll be home away from home when you're there. By the sounds of it. Yeah, kind of. It's very it's a similar atmosphere. I think a similar warmth of people, hospitality. I think our mentalities are pretty similar, but also I've never been to Turin before. My last visit was in Tuscany, which is so amazing. And now I'll be going a bit more up north and I'm also very looking forward to that. One thing you mentioned before was the stage, of course. Now, as one of the artists for this year's Eurovision Song Contest, and you're the first artist we're chatting to as part of this series, looking ahead to two uh, two events in Turin in May. You're the first artist I've had the chance to ask, kind of, how daunted are you if you're daunted by that stage? Because we've all seen the pictures; it looks huge. It's got a water fountain. It's got like some plants and stuff. Like it just looks wild. Uh, yeah, I'm telling you, I'm still not completely aware of it because I feel like if I start being aware of it, I'm going to faint and then we're going to have a problem. So <laughs> because this stage just looks so fairy tale like and I feel like one could do so much on that stage, but also you don't want to do too much. You don't want to overdo it. You also want it to be in the spirit of your your song. So I feel like I'm actually going to use a very little like square surface of of that stage but just being on that stage is I feel very flattered and very honored and I I honestly can't wait and I only hope I won't get too scared when I when I stand on a huge stage like that that's my like only fear but hopefully we'll have a lot of rehearsals so it it shouldn't happen 
you you mentioned there that you you might not use all of the stage and I think you're probably going to want to keep it an intimate performance is that right you want to kind of when it comes to the staging keep the song and the focus I suppose on yourself and your vocals maybe definitely I think like the song is still number one should be should always be a number one no matter how important the visual part is for your vision but of course I will also have something with me on stage some interesting elements but I will try to keep it intimate and emotional as is the atmosphere of the song itself. Have you had any messages from from kind of past Croatian Eurovision representatives? We had Albina on the podcast last year. You know, she's hugely loved by the uh, by the Eurovision community. Have you had anything from her or anyone else that's already been to Eurovision from Croatia? Um, Albina was, of course, performing Andorra. So we we had a chance to chat after I won and she gave me some excellent tips. And I also want to like meet her while I'm still in Croatia for further details, because I'm sure she has a lot of interesting experiences and stories from Eurovision. Also, Franca was there. And be honest, I think Albina's probably a little bit jealous because you get like the full Eurovision experience as well. She didn't get last yeah. year. Yeah, I feel so bad. She didn't have any Eurovision pre-parties, right? Last year. That's too bad. No one should like do Eurovision without it. I can't wait. I will go to like London, Madrid, Tel Aviv and 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 Amsterdam, I think. Yeah. Wow. So I will try to do everything I can. I really want to soak up the experience, you know. Mia, thank you so much for chatting. I know you've got an incredibly busy couple of months ahead of you, but it's so exciting that you're going to Turin. And hopefully we'll catch up there. Thank you so much for chatting to us on the Euro trip. Thank you for having me. It was a really nice chat. There we go then. If you've got your Euro trip bingo card out, then you can pop across through Croatia and Mia Dimsic. That is our first artist of 2022 in the books. Great to have her on the podcast, Rob. So just to clarify, the bingo card is just the artist, is it? Uh, I don't know. I was never given one of the bingo cards, actually. So I, I don't know. You made them and you didn't send me one. I didn't know they existed until about 10 seconds ago when you mentioned <laughs> them. So, uh, yeah, Mia Dimsic, we can tick off the list anyway of the class of 2022. And who knows, maybe we will catch up when we're in Turin. Because, of course, James, me and you, we've said it already, we'll be going to Turin. This year we get to end the trek to Turin in Turin itself. So very excited about that. Yeah, we'll be there to bring you all the best coverage we possibly can. So stay tuned for that as we get closer to the contest itself. But now it's time to wrap up today's episode but before we do that Rob there's only one thing we can do and that is of course the one second song. It certainly is and you will be pleased everybody because I have worked out what the current scores are which we will get to in a second but for the first time James for you this week and for you at home here is this week's one second song. Oh, no. Oh, I I don't know, Rob. As soon as I've heard it, I'm like, I've got no idea. Although, I don't know what's giving me this vibe. It sounds very 90s. Okay, okay. Well, we'll find out whether or not you're right with the the 90s guess, although I am going to ask you to be much more specific than (laughs) the 90s as a generic uh, answer. Yeah, so the one second song, of course, you are trying to guess the name of the song, the name of the artist, the country and the year in which it was performed. There are four points on offer, and after a lot of calculations, thanks to the help of Martin's spreadsheet, I can tell you that things are looking very tight. It is currently me 21, James 20. So even if I get one point, I draw level. So there's a potential for a wild stab in the dark, and I might actually 
gain a point. So let's see. In fact, let me hear it just one more time before I have a guess. Oh, it does sound 90s. And I don't know why it sounds 90s, but I've literally got no idea what it could be. So it's going to be a stab in the dark. Shall I just go for it? I think I shall. I'm going to say Cyprus, 1996. Uh, I don't even know if they were in the contest in 1996. Maybe they, were, maybe they weren't. And it was... Andreas, oh, I'm trying to think of some sort of Greek sounding name. I can't do it. And maybe he was just called Andreas. Ah, okay. Yeah, nice. See what you've done. Yeah, yeah. With Aphrodite. Ah, a very separate sounding name uh, for a song. That actually, for all my guesses in the past, sounds genuine. Yeah, it sounds like it could be true. <laughs> it's not, though, unfortunately. Uh, you'll be unsurprised to hear. Obviously, no points. You want to know what it is? Come on there, put me out of my misery. It's a Eurovision winner, James. Come on. Is it? Yeah. It's oh. the winner of Eurovision 1993. It's Neve Kavanagh for Ireland with In Your Eyes. I am going to get absolutely lambasted for not getting that right. I don't even know if that's the right word, but I'm definitely going to be. Yeah, so that's two winners in two weeks on the One Second Song. Yeah, it was. Oh, my goodness. Can you believe a One Second Song was a winner? And a... Oh, my goodness. Oh, that's embarrassing. Oh, And we've had her on the podcast before. Imagine if she finds out I didn't know what it was. Oh, my oh, goodness. No, I know. She was so nice as well when she was on. Yeah. That's, that's, that's going to have upset her, let me tell you. <laughs> So yeah, Neve Kavanagh, in your eyes, the winner, of course, for Ireland in 1993. Do you want to know what the tenuous link between that and this week's podcast is? I would love to know how you've managed to link that song to this podcast this week. No way. Well, earlier on in the podcast, we were, of course, talking about the American Song Contest, were we not? Yes. Yes, we were. Oh, now, you think you've got it, but I don't think you have. No, 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 I don't. No, no, carry on. I thought I might have had an idea, but I don't. Okay, well, America first aired the Eurovision Song Contest in 1971. Now, Ireland also won the Eurovision Song Contest in 1971 with Dana and All Kinds of Everything. Now, of course, we also heard from Mia Dimsic on this week's episode, Croatia's representative from Eurovision 2022. Now, Croatia made their debut in the Eurovision Song Contest in 1993. So you put those two together and you get Ireland's entry in the Eurovision Song Contest in 1993, which was Neve Kavanagh with In Your Eyes. Everybody at home is sitting there thinking, Rob, that would have been so, so impressive but I think they all started to give up when you said Ireland won the contest in 1971 because, of course, they didn't. Monaco won that, that year. They won in 1970. Ah. Uh. <laughs> now, shall I tell you what's happened? Yeah, we'd love to know. So I've skim-read something uh, <laughs> which says uh, Eurovision Song Contest 1971, 16th edition of Eurovision, uh, Dana's win. <laughs> Actually says it took place in Dublin following Dana's win <laughs> the year before. 
so yeah, turns out the tenuous link to this podcast doesn't actually work, does it? But anyway, you get it's the picture. So tenuous, it doesn't even exist. Oh, at least I'm here to, to put you right. This is not the second time this episode where I've had to fact check you. It was the Rotterdam road trip now. It's when Ireland won the Eurovision Song Contest. Oh, it's a good job I'm here, everyone. That's why they tune in. Yeah, well, I'm sure that probably is the case. Uh, well, thank you, everybody. <laughs> Regardless of me being here, you've got to the end of this week's episode. Yes, well done. And thank you for joining us on today's episode. This week's only episode. We'll be back with you in seven days' time for a brand new one. We'll have all the latest news. We'll have our first guest of the trek to Turin. And we'll have another one of the class of Eurovision 2022. So until then, don't forget you can keep in touch with us online. We are at Eurotrip Podcast on Twitter and Instagram. We are hello at EurotripPodcast.com on the email. And you can read any of our exclusive stories over on EurotripPodcast.com. And make sure you subscribe, leave us a review, and rate us five stars wherever you listen to the podcast. From me, James, it's goodbye. And from me, Rob, it's goodbye. My screen protector needs replaced. Why? What have you done to it? I've got a bubble. Oh, you don't want a bubble, do you? <laughs> I had a, I've had a crack since November, and today I've developed a bubble. I've had several cracks since pre-Christmas. That sounds weird, doesn't it? (laughs) Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Want to get a chiseled look in the jawline? Sculpt and shape your jawline with added volume from Juvederm Volux XC. Juvederm Volux XC is an injectable gel specifically designed to be robust enough to improve moderate to severe loss of jawline definition. And it is the first and only hyaluronic acid filler approved for the jawline. Add volume to your jawline for a chiseled look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.